0: On a stone in Southern Norway, there's one word carved in the runes of the old Futhark. The word is alu. That word is found in many uh, different Iron Age inscriptions. And with this video, I'm uh, hoping to be able to open a new series, which is about that most sacred produce of all Nordic animist tradition, alu ale, or in contemporary English, beer. In many places around the world, you find that people's animisms typically operate with some sort of basic medium of exchange, which is used in creating relation, both between humans and spirit as an offering, uh, but also for human consumption and creating relations between humans and other humans. In North America, for instance, you have tobacco. In uh, West Africa, there's a cola knot. In parts of East Africa, you have coffee. In uh, Southern Africa, it's beer, actually. Um, It's a little bit like, almost like the roll of the candle in Catholicism or incense in forms of Hinduism and Buddhism. It's that thing which is always there But as you see, these are, in fact, slightly intoxicating things that can be consumed together and give a nice sense of of togetherness when people are enjoying them together. Some of these products are uh, rather mobile, actually. Tobacco has come to play an important role in Afro-Diasporic religions. So has candles, by the way. Schnapps, which is a North European thing, has become really important in West Africa, and the uh, Potawatomi Native American scholar uh, Robin Kimmerer she describes how coffee came to work as a, a place offering uh, in uh, in her family, and coffee is uh, comes from like Ethiopia, East Africa is really important in in the uh, East African animisms, so. These kind of products, they are like the vehicle for connection in almost a cosmic sense. They become a vessel of connectedness, the medium of relation per se, and hence they become really important foundational elements in different animisms. And uh, yeah, I've been planning for some time to sort of start focusing on, on, uh, on, on alu, Uh, on beer uh, here in 2022 uh, and i really hope i'll be able to expand this topic uh, because beer is really that kind of a thing in the nordic context a vessel of connection that product that is was always there and still today create this experience of connectedness people, right? The importance of beer is such that its consumption never disappeared, though we, you know, we were indeed deprived of its uh, sacrality. Um, and this detachment has also resulted in dysfunctional consumption patterns and so on. I hope to get back to this in a in a later video. But beer is found, you know, all the way back through history in Bronze Age graves, you know, even all the way back to ancient Egypt and stuff like that. And it is this ancient, ancient sacrality, I think, which is probably what is expressed in the use of this word alu, which is found in in so many um, Iron Age inscriptions. One particular vessel of connectedness, which I think is is really good for for understanding by comparison the, the animacy of beer, is tobacco among Native Americans. Tobacco creates relations, So you bring it as a gift when you visit someone, like when you visit an elder, you bring bring some tobacco in your hand. We still today bring a bottle of wine uh, when we visit someone. That is today's high-status alcohol. Uh, Though beer is coming back, by the way. But but in the old days, uh, um, an old man who's an old childhood friend of my father, he told me that uh, when he was a child in Funen, uh, and they made beer in the farms, there was always beer inside, uh, in, 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 inside the house when people came. So uh, people, the, when the milkman came to pick up the, the, the milk from the cows, he would automatically go and, and, and take a little bit of beer himself as soon as he entered the house. It's that kind of ceremonial, uh, fundamental thing that, that when you enter someone's house, then there is an exchange of beer. Um, tobacco, among the Native Americans, is uh, also used in affirming, like, formal social contracts. Stereotypically, the peace pipe, right? If you make a social contract, a pe- like a peace agreement, then that is that social contract is written into the cosmic order of things by this universally binding force of smoking tobacco together, sharing that product together. You know it used to be very similar with beer there were laws that said that if an engagement were to be legally valid then a specific quantum of beer had to be available at the engagement celebration a funeral celebration in scandinavia is called grave beer a celebration of a birth is called birthing beer you could pay your taxes in beer and going all the way back to the earliest times The toasting ritual was perhaps the most important affirmation of social connection, something that we still do, by the way, and we do it a lot. Um, Some Native Americans uh, also use tobacco uh, as that most fundamental offering towards other than human. It uh, It becomes the stable component in almost any ceremonial action. And similarly, you know, the connecting force of the spirits of the earth that's manifest in alcohol, it used to be so powerful that there was a time in Swedish history where it was considered illegal for a nobleman to give an expensive alcohol, wine, a noble alcohol, to a commoner. Why? Why would that be illegal? Because the demand for reciprocity for the commoner to give something back was impossible for him to do because it was expensive. Hence, this simple gift of alcohol was considered coercion. You you deprive somebody of their freedom by the the act of giving them wine. Isn't that amazing? That, That binding force of this reciprocal gift giving is so strong that it can become a coercion. And I think that hints towards the deeper layers of this, the idea of beer as almost the glue of the cosmic order, you know, the necessary precondition for pretty much anything to work in the world. The English, they sing this absolutely wonderful hymn to the beer, personified as John Barleycorn. They sing that the huntsman, he can't hunt the fox, nor loudly blow his horn, and the tinker he can't meant kettle nor pot, without a little barley corn. It is the beer that makes the world go round basically. And I think this is why the word alu occurs in so many Iron Age inscriptions. It's almost like Amen. Amen is Hebrew for that stance or that be real. It's a blessing that sort of realizes something. Um, And I think that that using the word alu in that way, it, it gives beer to something that's happening or perhaps the object somehow through the word itself. It's almost like pouring beer on it. Perhaps writing the word would go with actually pouring the beer on something. You know, one runic uh, inscription reads, and runic inscriptions are super difficult, so this is just one of the suggestions for reading. It says, Hail maiden of maidens, alu nana, alu nana. Perhaps nana is the Name of that goddess, which is invoked with the, with the word ale or placated with the word ale, almost as if you are giving ale to her, or using ale to facilitate the giving of the offering, which is the comb on which this, this inscription is made. Perhaps this is speculation, but you know, we can uh, uh, speculate like that. On the Linholman inscription, it says. I am the Irilas Sawilagas, and I say <sharp inhale> a lot of incomprehensible stuff, and then alu. You know, an axe shaft seems to have been sacralized by a dude named Vagagastis with the word alu, and then some impossible stuff. You know, mirrored, mirrored runes spell the word alu on Anglo-Saxon cremation urns. It seems that they should you know, perhaps be able to be read also from the other side, perhaps from the land of the dead. The the word alu occurs on many of the bracteates. You can check a video on bracteates there. There's a Danish drinking cup where you find the word alu pressed in the bottom. Um, It's almost as if the word consecrates the actual drink. Sometimes you find the runes of the word in, in a different order. It's almost as if it becomes a symbol that has the power in itself somehow, so, so the symbol morphs somehow. There's a fibula uh, found in, in uh, Velløse in Denmark, where seems to be uh, sacralized to a deity named Alugard. And uh, through history, there's been uh, many cases where heathen deities, typically Odin, are seen as imminent in the beer. The beer is almost like the body of the actual deity. So the intoxication you experience from drinking the beer is, of course, sacred. It's almost as if the deity is possessing the person who's drinking. It's a bacantic kind of uh, thing. And there are very bacantic rituals in folklore uh, about the brewing of beer also. Um, There are other theories about what the word alu might have meant. Of course, there always is. But I think it makes such a lot of sense that uh, that it must have have meant ale or beer, Uh, and that that is the reason that this is the most common so-called charm word from the Iron Age, Uh, because this particular word would have had power because it contained the nature of that vessel of connectedness, that cosmic amen, that basic gift, the basic offering cosmic reciprocity condensed, relation in physical form, that which makes an engagement real, a funeral true, that which consolidates a friendship, make a deity present, embody the spirit of Yule, holiday, that cosmic glue which makes the world go around, which makes that the huntsman, he hunts the fox and loudly blows his horn. And the tinker, he mends kettle and pot with a little barley corn, right? So, I hope to be able to make more videos where I explore this focus on beer in uh, coming videos. And uh, I will talk about the making of beer, the stunning beauty and depth and power of the ceremonial animist alchemy that calls the spirit of the earth through complex and magical processes that transforms barley into an intoxicating drink. You know, I will talk about hopefully the drinking of beer and the magical vessels that were crafted and used for this purpose the ritual of beer in the transformations that turn the wheel of seasons, the heathen spirit of beer, the gender of beer, who owned this craft and who took it, <laughs> the loss of beer. How, how, do, how did we leave behind these deeply animating and powerful technologies in favor of industrialized consumerism and dysfunctional patterns of consumption? I'm hoping to um, make uh, comparisons and know more about the movement to keep tobacco sacred among Native Americans who have exactly the same problem, that industrialized uh, versions of this uh, product, in their case tobacco, results in uh, pathological patterns and uh, abuse basically and resulting health problems, which is something we have in northern Europe uh, concerning alcohol to a very large degree. And my plan is to make beer. <laughs> I have contact with some super nice people on a small farm in Jutland in, uh, called Uxnagård. It's not so far from where, where my family comes from. And they're making their own beer. And we're conspiring to recover the animist ritual that used to be uh, applied when distilling this vessel of relation through these agrarian processes. You know. And we're gonna to try to go the whole way and fight and make love in the fields and sing hymns for the personified Bali in order to go back into this reciprocal relation with this product, you know, to recover the ancient art of making alu, basically. Um, yeah, so that's my idea. I have a little bit of a tendency of starting too many projects, but I really hope that I will be able to uh, at least uh get this incredibly important and central animist topic properly sorted and uh and into being and uh, that we'll be able to uh, make alu for you again you know and talk about how to do it and how to drink it and everything about it because it's strikes me as one of the most central Uh, both stories about what happened with Nordic animism and how to recover it. Thanks and see you around. My name is Rune Janne Rasmussen. The work that I'm sharing with you on this channel focuses on recovering Euro-traditional animist knowledge. This is the fruit of a life of study and research all over the world and I hold a doctorate from the oldest university in the Nordic region, but I'm choosing to popularize rather than to focus on academic publication. Conventional institutions, however, have yet to warm up properly to my perspective. So if you appreciate what I do, then please do consider that I also need to feed my family. Uh, For the price of less than one beer per month, you can become a Patreon supporter. Or you can head over to my web shop and enter into exchange relation with me. You can also give single donations to my PayPal account. Or if you have contact with someone that might help me project this incredibly important perspective to the world, then do drop me a p.m. And uh, remember also to click a click and subscribe, follow, share, comment and all that. Thank you very much.